All right. Uh, are you happy to be here this morning? Amen. I am too. Uh, we're, we're happy, glad that we have the opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship Him and to praise Him. Uh, I noticed something last night. I was, um, I was watching a, a football show, a football game, not a show. All right. it, was, it was a program that had football game on it, okay? And I was thinking about, you know, the message that this morning, and I had, uh, we had, I was tired from all the things that we had done and praising the Lord for opportunities to, to work and be with the guys and all that kind of stuff. And I was watching this game, and uh, it was at Ole Miss. And, they, you know, they've got a big tailgate party section up there at the game. And one of these tents, tailgate party areas, had won a prize uh, for, I don't know what it was, the right kind of decorations, or any, somebody paid enough money to win the prize. I don't know what it was. But anyway, they had them on TV, and all these people out there with the red Solo cups and all, you know, painted up uh, blue, and I didn't mean to look at you when I said red Solo cups. That had, no, that had nothing to do with me looking at you, all right? But... Uh, but they, they were, some of them were painted up, they were dressed up with Ole Miss and, and that sort of thing, and, and, and they were yelling, screaming for at least a minute while the television camera was on them. They were hollering and screaming and shouting and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, if God's people would shout hallelujah instead of hotty toddy or hell state, if, people, if God's people were so excited about praising His name, at least as excited as the world gets over a game that they won't remember in two weeks, most likely, some of them won't remember it this morning, but where are we? Where are we, church? How is it that... We have the greatest gift ever. We have the hope that the world needs, and they don't know it. And yet, many of those who were shouting and screaming over a football game yesterday will be sitting in a church pew this morning, and I bet they won't utter the word hallelujah, but they'll utter something else at a football game. Somebody had mentioned to me this week, you know, a lot of people look and say, well, the world has entered into the church. And we talked about that, and, and that's not right. The world hadn't come into the church. But the church is not this building. The church is the true believers of Almighty God and the followers of Christ. All of those that claim to be the church are not the church, and they are the ones who bring the world into the so-called church. This morning, I want to talk about folks who have bitten onto a lie and held on to it and got hooked by it. The title of the message this morning is, is Vaccinated. Now, that word is in the news all the time. You can't watch a TV commercial. You can't listen to the news. You can't hardly do anything without hearing the word vaccinated these days. So, 
This morning, that idea was in my, my mind all week, and I, and I thought, you know what? So many people have been vaccinated against the truth that they have been inoculated and they can't catch the truth because they've been vaccinated against it. So, I told Miss Emma this morning, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I have to look up the definitions of some things. When I start thinking about them, I've got to find out what exactly it means before I go forward. So, in your... Um, sermon outline this morning, you've got a definition for vaccine. And it says, and I hope I get this pronounced right, an immunogen consisting of a suspension of weakened or dead pathogenic cells injected in order to stimulate the production of antibodies. I didn't know what an immunogen was, so I had to look that up. I wrote it down. Any substance or organism that provokes an immune response when introduced into the body or produces immunity. So here's my idea this morning. People have received a watered down or weakened or dead gospel and that has inoculated them, that has vaccinated them from the truth of Jesus' true gospel. You see, there's so many people that have gone around and proclaimed to be saved. But there's absolutely nothing about them would make you think that they were saved without them telling you that. And folks, I want to tell you, that's what's wrong with what people say the church is today. Because those that claim to be Christ and don't act like Christ or don't seek to worship Him in any form, fashion, or manner, they are bad representatives at the very least. But most likely, don't belong to Christ. This morning, turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 8 this morning. That's where we're going to begin. Colossians 2, verse 8, God's Word says to us this morning, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, and he says, Watch out, somebody's going to try to cheat you out of everlasting life, out of forgiveness of sins, out of heaven. Let's go to the Lord and pray this morning. Father, again, we bow before you because you are the ruler of all, high king of heaven, as we sang earlier. I praise you and thank you, my God and King, because you are master of all and in charge, in control of all. Your will will be done. And I thank you. Father, this morning, wake up your church. Wake up the church, convict those who are not part of the church, and draw them to yourself for true salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the first part of our verse this morning. As Paul writes to the church, he says, Beware. In other words, be on the lookout for. Watch out for this, because somebody is out there that wants to deceive you, and that someone is the deceitful cheater. The deceitful cheater, the one that does not want you to receive everlasting life, forgiveness of sins. He doesn't want you to know Jesus. He doesn't want you to live a godly life. He wants, by the way, He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. Of course, I don't have to tell you who that is, but I will. Lucifer. Satan. The devil. I wrote down the word deceit, and I defined it. I looked it up. And by the way, they hadn't changed the definition of that one yet. Deceit. An attempt or disposition to deceive or lead into error. Any declaration, artifice, or practice which misleads another or causes him to believe what is false. So, Paul writes, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit. Leading you into what is false, which will be empty, without substance, without value. There's always going to be that one that's going to come and say, nah, you're okay. You're a good old boy. You've not done anything wrong in your life. You know, people look to you and call you good. You're a good person. You don't need Jesus. You don't need salvation. You'll make to heaven on your own. You see, that's the philosophy of the world. That's the tradition of men. That's why you go and look around on the headstones of people all over this country and you'll see people who never attended church, people who never named the name of Christ, and on their tombstone it'll say something like, Fly high, baby angel. Something of that nature. Not that that's wrong, understand, but, but we will not be angels, by the way. Never, because angels are a completely different created order. But let me tell you about those, what the Scripture says about those who have not named the name of Christ as Savior and Lord. They will not fly high. The Scripture says they will inhabit hell. That's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Nobody wants to think about somebody not flying high or not going to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, the Scripture, Jesus said, the, the way to salvation is narrow. And few there are that find it. The way to destruction is wide and everybody's headed in that direction. The enemy's purpose is always to oppose God and dispose of anything godly. He is the father of lies. All he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to discredit God. In the beginning, he tried to usurp God. He wanted to sit on God's throne. The created, by the way, cannot overthrow the Creator. And we are created. 
Our world says there is no creator, that it all happened by chance. And in that, they're trying to overthrow the creator. It'll never happen. One day they will stand before the creator and he will say, bang. And they'll say, what? And he says, I'm the cause. It wasn't a bang. It was me. How hard on that day will it be to hear the words, depart from me, because you never even wanted to believe. You never even thought about believing. You ran after error. You accepted the lies and joyed in them, rejoiced in them. Paul said, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. Now, going back to the definition for vaccinated, it says, or vaccine, an immunogen, immunogen consisting of a suspended or weakened, of weakened or dead pathogenic cells. Now, I had to understand it this way. They took a part of an active virus and they either killed it or watered it down to the point to where it was ineffective and they inject it in you so that you, the antibodies will build up, you'll have an immunity to it. All right? But I took the word weakened or dead. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. What our world has bought into or what a lot of the so-called Christian community has bought into is that they have bought into a weakened or dead gospel. And, and what, do you, what do I mean by that? It's simply this. Somebody will say to you, just ask Jesus into your heart and everything will be okay. You want forgiveness of sins? Great! Ask Jesus into your heart. You want to go to heaven? Wonderful! Jesus died for you so that you could go to heaven. And by the way, all of that's true, but there's a cost. And they don't tell you about that. They'll just say, you just ask Jesus into your heart. And what they have done is watered down the gospel. They didn't tell you, first of all, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to back up. All right. I'm getting excited because the punchline's coming. They will tell you, if you want to do this, or if you want to do that, or if you need a genie in the bottle, just ask Jesus into your heart and everything's going to be okay. Just add Jesus to your life. <laughs> it never says that in the Bible. Nowhere. It does not say, God will wipe away all your sins and all you have to do is pray a prayer, be baptized, sit in the pew once in a while, and everything's good. What the world tells you or wants you to believe, this dead or weakened gospel, they will say God is a loving God only and that He'll never judge you. They don't know my God. 
They have accepted somebody else's idea of a God or created a God of their own who will not judge them. You know why? Because they know they're guilty. And they don't want to be guilty. So they make up their own God and say, no, God is this, God is that. Their God may be, but He's not the God of the Bible. It is a weakened or dead gospel. Let me, let me tell you, I've been guilty of this. I don't want to seem like a holier-than-thou type person. I have told people this. I have said, ask Jesus into your heart. I have said, if you want forgiveness of sin, ask Jesus into your heart. I hope and pray that I have always continued with that, saying, and give your life to Him. Because that's the whole point. You know, yes, we need forgiveness of sin. Yes, we want to live in heaven forever. But that's not the point right now. The point is, I am guilty of sin in my life, have been since my birth, and there's no way for me to become guiltless except through Jesus. So, to say... Just ask Jesus into your heart, just pray a prayer, or just go through the baptismal waters. That is a dead gospel because it has no hope in it. Because there is no repentance in it. There's no acknowledgement of who Jesus is and who we are. Because if we just ask Jesus into our heart and we give our heart to Him, then it makes it seem like Jesus needs us for something. And He does not need us because He is everlasting without us. And as Moses in the, in the Old Testament, as the Old Testament writer says, you know, God was talking to Moses. He says, Moses, you come out. He said, I'll destroy all the Israelites and I'll create a whole new nation out of you. And then Jesus had talked about God raising up followers and worshipers from stones and rocks. And in Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones came back to life because the life giver was the one who instituted it. You see, God doesn't need us. He wants us. And He's provided a way for us, but we have to approach Him in a fashion that He has designed and given to us. For us to change the statutes of the covenant, for us to change the agreement, it can't be. You see, he wrote it out, and there's only one blank, and that's for our signature. For us to agree or disagree. And without our agreement, the covenant's not in place. Sins are not forgiven. Heaven is not available. Hell is wide open and breathing down our neck. So the true gospel, according to Jesus, what Jesus says, let's go back and look at verse 8 again. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. They will cheat you unless what you believe, unless what you agree to is what Christ said you need to believe. According to Christ, what is salvation? 
Well, the Scripture says that we must believe that He is the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead. And that's true. We must believe that. We must accept Him as the Son of God. And if we accept Him as the Son of God, then what we have done is realize that He is King of all. But then we realize He is holy and righteous and we are not. And the only way for us to come to Him is through His forgiveness and He will not forgive unless we repent of our sins. Did you know a person who does not know that they're sick won't go to the doctor? I don't like going to the doctor when I am sick. But you have to realize that you are in need of a Savior before you will accept a Savior. To say to someone, just ask Jesus into your heart. You're not sick. You don't need it. It's okay. But it'd be good to add Jesus to your life just in case. That's a dead gospel. That has no hope. That has no help. What that has is a worldly way of thinking that you can be in charge of your own destiny. You are good enough. Just keep going. No, you're not. No, we're not. We need the Savior. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24. Jesus said this, If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires salvation, if anybody wants to truly be saved, if you want to have heaven as your final destination with God, if you desire to come to me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, you're not good enough. You have to deny who you are, what you've been, all the things that you have done, do away with them because the old man needs to die so that the new man can come forth. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I was reading something this morning, and, and it was um, about a, an, an argument. It was this young man was talking to a Christian lady who was witnessing to him, and he says, but if I accept God as my Savior, if I, if I accept Jesus, He's going to change everything about me. He's going to make me do things that I don't want to do, and I don't want to change everything. Basically, I don't want to change anything. And she said to him, watch me turn on this lamp. So the lamp was plugged in, and she turned on the switch, and the light came on. And she said, did the electricity change the lamp? No. Just made it better. It fulfilled its purpose when the switch was turned on and the electricity was able to run to it so that while you're sitting there, you can see. The lamp's purpose is to provide light. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't want to give myself to Jesus because He's going to change me. He's going to make me do things that I don't want to do. No, what He's going to do is make you fulfill your purpose. The reason for which He created you. 
He is going to have you turn from worldly things, true enough. But He's going to have you turn to Him, which is the best thing ever. You were created for fellowship with God, and if you are out of fellowship with Him, then you don't know what it is to have your light turned on. And when you do, you're going to think to yourself, oh my goodness, why in the world did I think not being turned on, not having electricity running through me, was okay or was good? This is much, much better. Not perfect, but much, much better. Knowing where the road leads. Imagine just for a moment, you're, you're headed, um, let's say you're headed to Kentucky and you don't have an interstate system or you hadn't found the interstate and you're taking back roads. And this is gravel roads. These are holes with, uh, uh, roads with holes in them, uh, bridges out, so you've got to take detours, all kinds of craziness. But then somebody puts in an interstate system, and you jump over on the interstate, and you're riding, and you say, well, I know I'm getting where I'm going. The riding is a whole lot smoother. Everything's going better this way. Somebody provided for me a way to get where I'm going without all the distractions and detours. Without all the destruction... Somebody's provided a way. And you turn the light on. And you can see. You see, the true gospel is this. You were created to have fellowship with God. You were created to give yourself to Him so that He can make you who He designed you to be. And Jesus says, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says something very similar. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, he's talking to the rich young ruler there, the guy that came to him and says, you know, what must I do to be saved? And he said, you've got to obey the commandments. He said, I've done that. What else am I lacking? And Jesus said this, now listen closely to it, alright? He says, one thing you lack. Go your own way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. In essence, this is what he was saying. Give up your old life. The possessions have possessed you. Your money has become your God. Give it up. Take up your cross. Give up your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Now Jesus didn't say it, but here's the implication in it. Jesus says what you've got is, is earthly wisdom, earthly possessions, earthly riches. I want to give you heavenly riches, eternal glory. I want to give you eternal things. Do away with the old earthly things that are passing away. I want to give you something greater. But you've got to deny all of this first. You've got to come to Jesus empty-handed and say, Here I am. I have nothing that's any good or of worth. I am nothing that is good or of worth. But I give myself to you. To follow you every day to seek to obey you. In the next passage of Scripture, in John chapter 10, 
Let me get over there. John chapter 10. Jesus said this in verse 26 and 27. If you do not believe, in other words, if you are not part of His church, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not saved because you are not my... You do not believe because you are not my sheep. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. Jesus, the implication, He was talking to those, He says, you don't believe because you're not a sheep. You haven't accepted me. You haven't done away with the old man. What you have done is you created another God where you think that you're okay and you believe in something else that's not right. It's a false gospel. It is no hope and no help to you. And Jesus says, if you belong to me, you'll hear my voice and you will follow me. See, he was talking to a bunch of so-called sheep that weren't following. They were making their own way. In chapter 14 of John, verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, Jesus says, if you really, if you really love me, if you really gave yourself to me, if you're really saved, you're going to follow the commandments. He said, you're going to do what I say. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Because there's no hope in it. There's, no, there's a false profession. There's a false gospel that has been preached and a false gospel that has been believed, and they don't belong to Jesus. Because He says, if you're one of my sheep, you will hear me and you'll follow my voice. You'll follow me. So in order... For a person to be saved, when a person is saved, they're going to obey the commandments. They don't obey the commandments to be saved. They obey the commandments because they are saved. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And in verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Jesus said the evidence of being saved is someone who is following Christ. And then verse 23 and 24. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. So you see, the true gospel is not accepting Jesus into your heart. It's not giving giving yourself to Jesus. It is realizing who you are before Christ, repenting of your sins, and accepting the Savior of the world, not only into your heart, but giving your life to Him. Following Him daily. Obeying the commandments. Keeping in touch with Christ. Worshiping hallelujah instead of hotty toddy. That's the true gospel. But you see, what has happened is by and large, many in our area have believed, they have been vaccinated against the truth. Because somebody told them once upon a time, all you've got to do is pray a prayer and be baptized and you're good. And you know what they'll say when you ask them, are you saved? Oh yeah, I prayed a prayer. I was baptized. 
I'm a member of the church. But do you keep the commandments? But do you follow Christ? I spoke with a young lady not too long ago. And I told her, I said, uh, we were talking about coming to church. She said, oh, Jesus is my best friend. Oh, I love Jesus. I said, really? When was the last time you worshipped Him? And she said, uh. I said, so He's your best friend? When was the last time you talked to Him? Oh, I pray every night. Really? Well, no, probably not every night. When do you pray? Well, you see, if you can't remember, then you're not praying. What you're doing is you're asking Jesus for all His blessings, but you're not worshiping Him. You're trying to use Him like a bubblegum machine. You're putting a quarter in, turning the knob, and expecting to receive something out of it. That's a false gospel. And what people have done is they've been inoculated against the truth. They've believed a lie. And when the truth hits them, my prayer is that it will break down all the walls of those false beliefs, that false gospel that was given to them, the one with no hope. And they will recognize the hope that Jesus offers. You see, what we need more than anything is to be forgiven of our sins because we're guilty. I mean, doorknob dead guilty. Every one of us. And without Christ forgiving us through our repentance of Him and following Him daily, we're not saved. So I'm going to ask you this morning, have you been vaccinated? Or have you been cured? Because the cure is Jesus. You won't have to worry about death, hell, and the grave if you have Jesus. But if you've been vaccinated or inoculated from the truth, the devil has cheated you out of everlasting life. He has deceived you to believe something that ain't true. And what he's doing is he's cheating you right into hell. Don't believe the liar. Don't believe the father of lies. Run to Jesus because he is the hope of mankind. He is the ruler of all. He is the king of heaven, the high king of heaven. Run to him today. Accept the true gospel. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Give your life to him because he's going to switch the light on and he's going to make you who you were supposed to be to start with. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. My Lord and King, bowing before you right now, I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm praying, Father, for you to work your work here in this church today. As we get ready to have this invitation time, Lord, my prayer is that you are convicting every heart that has believed a lie and reveal the truth to them, the truth that Jesus saves, but repentance has to take place and a commitment to follow you for a lifetime. So Lord, if that was not the commitment that they made or, or the decision that they made whenever they professed Christ, Father, show them the truth. Each person here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, show them the truth. 
And Father, during this invitation time, you accomplish whatever you desire needs to be accomplished. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in your church as it is in your throne room. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.